I'm Don Beveridge. I'm a principal with 20 for 20, which is um, a, a company that uh, publishes industry content and helps companies uh, trying to reach the multifamily industry to uh, to reach a bigger audience uh, and ultimately generate leads and, and grow business. Excellent. Glad to have you here, Dom. So 20 for 20, and I believe the next one is coming out in February. If you could explain quickly what it is and yeah, how people could get it. Yeah, so uh, the e- easiest pl- place to go get it is 20for20.com, 20for20.com. Um, 20 for 20, it's now in its fifth year. Uh, a, a few years ago, we started uh, to to just interview people towards the end of the year. Um, started back in, gosh, 20, 2018. Uh, it was Donald Davidoff and I interviewed some people uh just just to get a sense of what they've been up to uh, over the previous year and what they were going to be doing in the next year um we found the the findings were very sort of insightful and 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 somewhat surprising so in that first year we we said well why don't we just round up to 20 interviewees um and and then let's just write write this up as a white paper and it it just got this really big following like right off the bat that's grown um each year afterwards and so you interviewed 20 executives from operations from management companies and 20 from suppliers no 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 it's it's oh. all everyone's an operator everyone's so, an operator okay managers there's owner operators and, and and everything in between uh but why only 20 why not more it's a lot of work okay <laughs> Candid answer. No, no, I mean, just, just 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 to be candid, there's also it means although although we rotate people um, each year, so so some people who were interviewed last year are in this year's, and and a bunch of new people are also um, in there. Uh, th- there's a sort of level of consistency if you ask about twenty, and it's about the same breakdown. Um, uh, so, so you're always trying to keep the ideas fresh, but kind of keep it within a structure that means comparing year over year is an interesting, uh, interesting th- thing to do. Uh, the, the key thing is it's, it's 10 CLOs and 10 heads of technology, but that's always the, the makeup of the, um, of the group. Got it. So I guess part of this project and and what we'll segue into is is really understanding what what's on people's minds and what are they what's top of mind and what are they focused on so the impetus from that is trying to understand people and so Mm -hmm. i want to talk about how suppliers tech companies can or can't or not doing a good job or if they're doing a good job of understanding their clients their ideal customers and then on the operation side what can senior management, anybody who's managing, how can they do a better un- job of understanding their team? So let's start with the supplier side. Yeah, well, the, uh, th- th- there's this very interesting thing when you when you talk to a lot of different suppliers, um, particularly, you know, for example, companies where the, the founders are still are still running the companies or uh, or still heavily influential on the uh, on the companies. You know, if you think you think about all the work you have to do to go start a company and hire people and figure out how to make stuff work and deliver and blah, all, all, all of this stuff that you've got to do, you've got to be really, really passionate about your product and what it what it does, right? You've got to be you've got to place these bets. You've got to do all this hard work of figuring out how to um, how to make the stuff work. Um, 
and then and, and there's lots and lots of different companies that are that are doing that out in the industry. And in fact, particularly in in multifamily, where you've you've really had the kind of explosion of funding and, and prop tech companies coming up, you've got you've got these sort of overlapping sets of functionality that these different solutions represent. And each set of founders and management of each company is 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 really committed to 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 the way that they believe is the right way to to solve this problem and then on the other side of the fence you've got the people who they're trying to sell to and the people that they're trying to sell to are are fundamentally just trying to figure out how do i make my business better like how you know, how do I, how do i you know make my people more productive and happier and reduce staff turnover and make my residents happier you you're trying to solve those problems and they don't those two sets of motivations just don't naturally mesh all that all that all that well right so steve lefkowitz uh, put it really well in a, in a in a post that he put on on linkedin a while ago after optech where he talked about the he talked about the trade show city of bubble um by which by which he meant you've got all these different companies who are talking about their stuff but they're talking Free, in a manner, in a manner, some of which lands on the people they're trying to sell to, and much of which just just passes them because they're they're, they're sort of not speaking the same um, language about stuff. And the thing that um, the, the opportunity that that I perpetually see in the industry is think about the thing that you know you do really well, and figure out how to translate it into what that actually means. Like what what is going to be different um, in Moshe's and sages life if they were to to implement your your software and the answer to that question is not our software the, the answer to that question is not that our software functions in the following as the following feature uh, or, or or anything like that like it's fundamentally about what things are going to be different about that that business that matter to to the management of, of, of that business that's a piece of transmission Sorry, YPS fan. Uh, that that that's a piece of translation uh, that companies um, often struggle with, particularly in the uh, technology sector. Yeah, I, I think that a, a huge challenge that prop tech companies have is you run a business, and let's say you use a tool, QuickBooks, or you use a marketing tool like HubSpot. Any of those companies regardless of their size, are similar to your business. They have sales, they have marketing, they have finance. And so they're trying to sell something to somebody that they understand because they're running the same business, except they're offering a different service. Prop tech companies are offering a service to management companies, and they know nothing about management. They're, it's not it's not like they run the same business and then, hey, this is a tool that we use for this and you should use it for you because we understand your business. They fundamentally are running completely different businesses and they're trying to provide a solution for companies where they don't, they're operating completely differently. And so I think that there's a huge opportunity for suppliers to really learn and understand the business. And instead of starting, right, I'm, I'm about well, when everybody's zigging, you zag. So, if everybody's reaching out cold or going to these expos and trying to show why their service is different, then you doing the same thing just differently is really doing the same thing as everybody else. If you're trying to get in front of people and you demonstrate that you understand their business. So if you reach out to regional managers and instead of reaching out saying, Hey, I would love to explain to you how we could increase this problem or solve this problem for you. 
if you reach out and say, hey, here's five tips of how you can be, go from regional manager to a VP, that's far more interesting to them. And then you could build this relationship. And then, then they're interested in what you have to say. Yeah, well, t- tell me, tell me if you've you, you've sort of heard this because th- th- this was a big uh, topic that I wrote about in last year's um, Twenty for Twenty. During the course of whenever it was, like twenty twenty one, I guess it would have been for, if it was in that edition. Um, it became obvious to me that the the way that technology companies handle the concept of ROI um is one of the most sort of egregious examples of completely talking past your your customer right so the the formula the classic formula if you're a a salesperson selling technology to to somebody is well these are the sources of benefit you 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 know you are going to capture this many more calls you're going to convert at this much higher of a rate you're going to save this much time you're going to whatever the the formulation is of this is this is the thing that, that that we do uh, we're going to put that in a spreadsheet and, and we're going to uh, figure out how how many properties you've got and how many units. And we're, we're going to aggregate that up. And, oh, look, here's a great big number. This is why you should buy our product. Well, it, it sort of struck me just just through a series of interviews that I did for a client back in um, back in 2021 is that it's it's very seldom the case that if that if a salesperson walks into your office and presents that to you, that you're at all persuaded by any of the numbers that they show you. I mean, am I, am I right? <laughs> yeah, and and also, if you, I'm the one. If they're showing me these numbers, I'm actually going to ask questions about it. So, right. I want to be careful of what I say here. But there was a product, and they were showing us these numbers, and then I would ask questions and be like, "Okay, so this is the increase that you're expecting, and then what happens when we add your fee? What does that number look like?" And then right. it was back down, and so it's like, "How is this?" Okay, fine, but but yes. It, um, the ability to demonstrate that the suppliers understand the business, they'll gain a lot of trust and people will be far more interested. Now, it's true that if you have something unique and you're solving a problem, then you could, if someone has that problem and you go straight for that and it solves their problem, they'll be interested in it all day long. Mm-hmm. So I get cold emails and I don't have a problem with cold email. I just have a problem with bad cold email. <laughs> and I think that if, if you have a simple video that explains what you do, I'm going to watch that. And if I'm interested, like right away, I know what you do. I want to learn more. I'll let you know. And so this, you know, reaching out and always trying to think about yourself and how do I get them, intrigue them? What's the hook? What's this? Start by demonstrating that you understand them. You know, whoever it is that you're you're reaching out to, it speaks to them and it, it's far better if it's not even about selling your product. It's demonstrating yeah. that we understand what you do. That, that, that is a hundred percent. So, so, so the thing in particular, I mean, the, the sort of road to Damascus moment for me in, in 2021, I remember it was a particular meeting. It was with a company that has a really, a really, really good product, technology product. It has an excellent, um, uh, they had an excellent, um, advisory board. Um, and we were going through, materials for some big release that they were doing with the advisory board and the advisory board when they when they saw the roi part of the presentation it wasn't so much that they were unpersuaded by it they were sort of offended they were they were just disappointed that this company that makes this product that does this thing that they think is useful enough that they give up their time to be on the advisory board for this company 
that this vendor is wasting their time talking to them about arithmetic. <laughs> so it's it's just like the the, 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 the the realization I had there was that when you talk about, when you make the conversation be about numbers, you are fundamentally talking about the wrong thing. Because, you know, we work in multifamily, you know, we're not, we're, we're not in manufacture or distribution or retail or any of those things. You're in this fixed capacity business where, you know, my, my demand is structural. There's a limit to how much of stuff I can sell. Uh, I, I have to make these judgments on, 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 on what impact this new marketing technology is going to have on, uh, you, you know, on demand that I know fluctuates for reasons that have nothing to do with any of the technology um, that I implement. The people who are buying from you just have to make these judgment calls about what improvements they want to make to their business. Like, is the thing that this software does consistent with the things that I, I sort of know in my bones that improve my business when I do them? The more you can make the conversation be about that and the less you can sort of distract people into talking about you know this arithmetic that doesn't persuade anybody the likelier you are to have a conversation that's going to lead you somewhere. Does that make sense? Yes, and uh, I'll disagree a little bit. So it mm. depends what the product is and, and what your angle is. So fraud is is something that everybody is should be concerned about. Um, but understanding what fraud is is very hard. So you could demonstrate, you could, if you start out with numbers and you say, hey, our product costs this amount of dollars uh, a month and the average fraud is this, so therefore we make sense to prevent that. But if you demonstrate to them, so, but if people don't understand what fraud is, then they don't understand if it's a problem or not. If you say to them, look at your rent roll and look at recent move-ins, anybody who moved in recently with uh, and now has a balance, that's a red flag. Now, all of a sudden, you taught them to look at something that they're not considering. And when you explain to them what fraud is, fraud is is people who move in who have no intention of paying rent. Most likely, so it starts with the idea that they don't want you to know who they are. Because if you know everything about them, so then they don't pay rent, that will cause them a problem. They don't want a problem for them, they want a problem for you. Well, So when you can, ed- all the fraud companies, if they could educate clients on what fraud really is and how they should look out for it and go back check to see if you even have might have a problem and understand that process then the numbers become meaningful so this happened to us we back in 2020 we looked at a tool and it was dismissed right away because it was like why should we pay for this we don't we don't have this problem long story of how i discovered that we had this problem i was then able to identify okay here's 10 folks in our portfolio and it's a real number. The average one was owing us $4,500. Then that number of what it cost and that could prevent it became meaningful. Mm-hmm. But the turning point was understanding what fraud is and how the solution can then, this could prevent that. But just yeah, saying, yeah the, 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 that's right. So, 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 so that, that's quite a different um that, that's quite a different application of of, of ROI because you've, you've sort of you've translated a, a, a problem that people might think of in a in a process kind of a way into something that's about numbers and, and in the case in the case of fraud it makes perfect sense like the, the 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 idea of like okay look here's this thing a balance somebody just moved in th- th- this is now a problem for you like the the, the conversation is is sort of rightly about the numbers. Um, so, so no, I, 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 def- I definitely agree with um, uh, I definitely agree with that. 
I mean, it's funny when everybody sees suppliers, but like, you know, we'll increase your, your, the number of leases seven times. Like that, that just doesn't even make sense. If the average occupancy is 90, well, it's below 95 right now that I see, but even if it's 95, like you can't get seven times more leases. Um, you know, and, and where people say we'll increase your renewals, you know, 40, just things that just don't even make sense. <laughs> If you if you bought every product that, that increases your renewals by by ten percent, like you you'd never right. have to lease another apartment, like right? no one would ever move out. And and I, I'm seeing these tech companies where when they're they're making cases that you know management companies should think of themselves like McDonald's or a certain brand. Where if you do the numbers, it just doesn't make sense. The the top fifty management companies is less than twenty five percent of the market. So you're trying to sell people on this idea that if somebody moves out, then they'll, because they love our brand so much, they're going to go to another one of our properties. Do you know what you're aiming for? You're aiming for something that is so unrealistic that 75% of the market has, doesn't have stuff in multiple states. How many percentage of people are moving? Be, at, they're relocating to different states. That's every, what's been happening in the last two years. It's people relocating. So you're telling people they should build a brand so that when people move and relocate to a state, that what are the chances that you have a property there that want to rent with you? It just doesn't make sense. And you're only demonstrating that you don't get the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, uh, uh, I completely agree. So, so yeah, the, the um, uh, so, so ROI is, is, is a good example. But generally, I'm, I'm, yeah, the, I'm just thinking the, com- the, the sort of post that Steve put up in the conversations that we had around that we're, we're actually thinking about something for aim um this year like there, uh, I, I published a post a couple of months ago about some um, a, a really interesting piece of forester analysis where they talked about how it's sort of more often than not the case that companies don't understand the value that their customers get out of their product again it's that that city of Babel. I think it really, it really, really goes back to understanding the business. I, I was really interested in the product and I gave them feedback saying I, w- I wanted to use it a little differently than they designed it. And they, they're like, no, you can't do that. It's not what it was designed for. I was like, but that's where all the value is. And they're mm-hmm. like, sorry, that's, that's not what it was intended for. I was like, but that's where the value is. And, <laughs> and there's this, just this, this pushback. And I think it, switching over to the operation side is management operating without understanding the people on their team and the stresses and what is going on on site. I think there's this great disconnect between corporate and on site. And again, corporate has these great ideas. They're implementing it to the on site team. But if they demonstrate that they don't understand what is happening on on site, it's not going to go well. Yeah. And, and you, you, because one of the things that you, you realize about, and, and one of the reasons why 20 for 20 even exists is because it's very hard to generalize stuff across multifamily, right? The, the companies are so sort of different from one another, both in the way they operate and the financial objectives of the companies that, um, uh, that run them. The, w- one of the other challenges that you've got in, in, in tech, and may- maybe this is also true more broadly uh, in operations, is you, you, you tend to have this sort of re- bias to the way that people think about stuff. People tend to think about the technologies, they think about processes, practices, and so on, in the same way that a, as a REIT that has a sort of command control structure and that sort of snaps their fingers and, 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 and rolls stuff out across the board. And what you find, it's far more frequently the case, is that each multifamily property is, is a collection of financial stakeholders, and an operator who may or may not be an owner of the com- uh, uh, of the property, um, and 
what you want to do at each property based on who owns it, what they're trying to get out of it, what the how long you're planning to hold the property for makes this very much more like a set of um, individual decisions or, or, or porf- small portfolio level decisions that that are to do with the um, uh, you know the ownership and the management of the of the property rather than this idea that you know here's some global thing that we should roll out everywhere which is which is be- just because REITs are frequently the the first movers in in in, in some types of innovation that that tends to sort of cloud the way that people um think about stuff and where where the reality is that stuff is much more case by case that makes sense i think so i if if you, you reads our unique position where i actually think they care less about cash flow and more about perceived value so they want the higher rents even if the cash flow doesn't make sense and so cuz that affects their their stock price and 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 expenses and so the switch to like centralization helps the bottom line is that and then if we can convince everybody that that's what everybody wants so then you'll carry through but uh but yeah and th- th- there's a lot of insecurity i think in the industry and making decisions and when you look at the bigger companies the reits or something like that that's rolling something out then other people will kind of go along with this but i i financially i think reits have different a very different perspective than the majority of the market, which is mid-sized companies or small companies, right? And again, if you if you sort of think about the motivation that the uh, certainly vendors and, and I suspect probably uh, some operators have as well, is that the the kinds of innovations that are um, that are well publicized for the reasons that you talked about um, by by, by REITs ought to be applicable to everybody else. Where the rubber hits the road is okay. Well. In this building, I, I have this owner, and, uh, and and I'm this manager, and it's subject to these like individual market conditions, and it and it does or it doesn't have sister properties in the same market. I I, I can't and sort of shouldn't do the same things. I have to think about that thing in a much more sort of circ- circumscribed kind of way. And again, that that's um that that's one of the other opportunities with you know, when when we think about vendors talking to. Uh, Talking to the market, like you, you, you have to think about what the fat part of the market looks like, and it doesn't look like the, it doesn't look like the reads. Correct, and and, uh, and 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 a lot of the tech companies that their 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 hit list is the top fifty, and they want to brag about who on the top fifty they do. But again, that's such a small piece of the market, and I, I think that it's the, the it's you're aiming for a small part of the market and okay, you'll, you'll catch some whales, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity focusing on the smaller majority of the marketplace. Um, this has been a fun conversation and I'm excited to see the latest 2020 that's coming out soon. We do like to wrap up with a, I guess, curious random questions. So we're in a new year. What's something new that you're doing this year? So, um, this year, I started. I decided I was going to give a try to intermittent fasting. I'd been, I'd been sort of reading about it. I'd been having a couple of conversations with people who who'd either done it or, or, or knew people who swore by it. Um, and so I, I started that around the start of this year. And so far, I'm really enthused by it. It's uh, uh, it, 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 I'm conscious that it, it, it makes me feel better. Uh- I've learned that you like to read, so I'll I'll send you a book recommendation about about that. Okay. And then while we're on the topic of books, what's a, a book that you 
had had impact on you a book that you recommend well it's it's funny like the, obviously before we started the conversation you you asked me to pick a favorite book and i just looked around and, uh, at my shelves and the first thing that caught my eye was uh, was this um a, a book called i'm okay you're okay by dr thomas harris it's an old um book and i, I read it about 20 years ago um, but in terms of the amount of influence that a book has had on the way I, I think this that, that's that's probably right up there. It's a, it's a book that explains transactional analysis, so the way that personalities work, and in particular the way that conversations work between people. Um, very very popular sort of structure, uh, influential structure, but it's um, yeah well, well worth well worth being familiar with if you if you aren't already. Thank you. I'm going to check it out. Maybe all the suppliers should read it so then they'll know how to interact with operators better. <laughs> Dom, this has yeah. been fun. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs>